Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I'm going to minister along the lines of, don't worry, be happy. How many remember many years ago the song came out and it was the whistle, you know, it was, don't worry, be happy. And it was a whistle, and I was going to play the song, and I was going to play it out to the speaker system, but somebody before the first service told me, you know what, they played that song so many times, it just, I just don't want to ever hear it again. I said, okay, I'll have mercy on you. But we all know the song, amen? Have, don't worry, be happy. And I think that you and I need to understand today, as we're going through some trials and tribulations in our life, you notice when I preach, I like to minister a lot on the trials and the tribulations, because that's what we're going through in our life, Amen? You say, well, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm doing right. I'm, I'm living my life for God. Well, guess what? You're still going to have trials and tribulations. There's still going to be things that come against us. We're still going to have to learn to fight to, and overcome our battles and the things that are going on. Amen? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. I'm going to read that as we open this service this morning. It says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And verse 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Hallelujah. You know, I love that very last scripture we just read. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Because tomorrow's coming. How many know that? When you wake up tomorrow, it's a whole brand new day. Something's going to come up tomorrow that isn't going on today in your life. Today you might be excited, tomorrow you might be sad, but let me tell you something. The Bible is giving us a promise here saying that, you know, if we'll just live for today and let God do what he's going to do today in our lives, amen, that he will show us everything tomorrow. How many are excited about tomorrow? Well, I got news for you. I'm more excited about today than I am tomorrow, amen, because Jesus could come back, and if that's the case, then I'll be more excited about tomorrow, today. But today, I'm excited about what God is doing in this place. God is doing amazing things, amen? You see, worry, the word worry, is the root meaning of this word is to choke or to strangle. Amen? 
How many know that when you're worried, you feel like you're being choked? You feel like you're being strangled? You feel like uh, there's no hope in your life because you're just concentrating on the problem and you're, you're bound by worry? Every one of us, we face this challenge in our lives. Worry never won a war. Can I get an amen? See, worry never accomplished anything but failure itself. When we worry, we worry ourselves uh, to sickness. We worry ourselves to all kinds of problems in our lives. Matter of fact, 90% of all things that we worry about uh, never even happen. If you look up a few statistics of this world, you'll see that doctors say that 80% of all stomach problems and many other illnesses are rooted from this thing called worry. We worry, we worry, we worry. Where's our next meal going to come from? How are we going to pay our bills? My car, is it okay? What decisions should I make? How can I do this? How can I do that? We're always worried about what is about to come instead of just concentrating on what God is doing right now in our life. Amen? I tell you what, I, I, I came very well prepared this morning, and I know that God has a word for us, but I want to pray and open up this service uh, this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time that we get to share in your presence, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in this service. Lord, what you did this morning in our first service, God, I thank you for what you're doing in Ireland, God, how you've saved souls there, God. He used our pastor and his wife. God, I pray that this offering we took today, Lord, is a blessing to, to this uh, trip, God, to this mission, God. Uh, I thank you for what you're doing today. Open our ears and our eyes so that we can see and hear from you today, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I want to minister for just, um, just a couple more minutes. I promise not to go long today. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, there's an interesting passage of Scripture that I think parallels to exactly what you and I are dealing with today in our lives. And I'm going to read this, verses 1 through 7. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets cried out to Elisha. And he was saying, your servant, my husband, she was saying this, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take, leave this here, leave this up, take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, can you imagine going through your trial today, knowing that God has sent the man of God to you, and all that you can think about is the trial and the tribulation that you're in the midst of. Here this woman is saying to this man, she's saying here, she says, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. He's gone. He's no longer with us anymore. I'm all alone. I'm a single mother. I have no protection over me. We have no food in the house to eat. There's nothing. I am a failure. You can imagine the list just goes on and on and on how this woman feels so desperate and so insecure with the things of life. And Then the creditors are coming. Can you just add that to it, that the creditors are going to come because of her debt and take everything away from her, her sons. That's all she has left. And here they're going to take them away and they're going to become slaves. And the next verse goes on and it says, So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? He says, Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, that, she said your, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all of your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. He's telling her, go and get a bunch. Get as many as you can gather. Don't get just a few. 
And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and you and your sons. Then you pour it into those vessels and set aside the full ones. Then the scripture says, so she went from him and she shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Verse 7 says, then she came and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on it for the rest of your life. Now, can you imagine this story as it's being told? uh, It's a story that you and I can relate to in our lives because there's many times where there is not enough in the house. Amen? There's not enough there. There's there's no way that we can see what God has for us or the promises of God that we feel are no longer, but they are still there, but we just cannot see it with our eyes. And to know that the blessing of God is at work, uh, this woman here, as as, as this story is related, it's telling us everything she's going through. And how many can honestly say that you can see at one time in your life or another, maybe it's today, maybe it's before in your life, but you saw this in your own life where you didn't have to provide. Maybe you're a single mother in this place today, and you're trusting God, oh, to give you wisdom and understanding on how to raise children in this new generation that we live in today. You know, it's so amazing to me how how people can can, uh, just allow the things of this world to consume them. It blows my mind knowing that we have a God that has all the answers. Our God has the the answer. He understands. He knows what we're battling. He knows what we're going through today, and he wants to help us. But many times, all we say to him is, Lord, I don't have anything. Lord, how can you change my circumstance? I don't have anything in my life that can be helpful or useful to me. You see, life has a way of punishing us. I'm sorry, pushing us either to faith or to unbelief. Where our faith can be tested. Where, you know, Lord, I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe God, or just just all out bingo, you, you just don't believe anymore. And I've talked to people. I told the story on Wednesday night how I talked to two ladies the other day, and one of them was, said she was saved. The other one said she's not saved. Matter of fact, she says she doesn't believe in God anymore. She says she don't believe in heaven or hell. And the one that was saved was, was telling me how she's gay and how God loves her and how God cares. And, you know, and I understand God does care. God does love the gay. He does. He loves the sinner, every sin. You could put any sin in that sentence. He loves us, but he's not satisfied with the sin. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Amen? And it's so amazing to me how we can say that, uh, you know, it's either you're going to be, you're going to use your faith and you're going to believe that God's going to get you out of it. You're going to believe that God's going to get your children out of their situation, wherever their marble is. You know, it's a simple fact that kids don't even start using their brains until they're about 25 years old. Amen? I mean, that's just natural. We don't, the brain doesn't, uh, it's not fully uh, ready to function correctly until we're at least 25 years old. And then for some of us, it was 35. That's me. At 35 years old is when my brain started to work and, and I started to see things different. I started to understand uh, some things on the spiritual side where I was allowing God to do what he's going to do in my life instead of me always saying, I know how to do this. Uh, I've got control. Uh, I know what's going on. I, I have the answer for it. 
God said, okay, I'm going to take you to the school of hard knocks. He says, I'm going to take you to a place where you've never been. <laughs> and I said, I got this, God. And then I got to that place, and guess what? I wanted out. You get to that place in life, and you say, oh, Lord, I thought I knew the answer to this. Oh, God, I was doing this my way. I had the understanding of it, Lord. I thought I could do it my way, and I would be all right. Until you get to that place, uh, that little place of, uh, of, of being isolated, where it's only you and God and the enemy. Amen? This woman told me the other day, she says, I, I have an angel on this side. It's a good angel. And this, the, the bad angel on this side. We've heard that many times in our life, haven't we? She said, and the bad angel's always talking to the good angel. I said, well, what's the dummy saying in the middle? Because the honest to God's truth is, there's a dummy that's in the middle, and that's me. And I make bad decisions, amen, especially when I'm not read up or when I'm not uh, prayed up and talking to God and asking God and seeking him and saying, Lord, I am at the lowest point in my life. You say, well, you're a pastor. You don't get um, vexed in your mind over these things. That is wrong. We get vexed in our mind just like you do. The same temptations that you're tempted with, uh, we're tempt uh, tempted with even more, I would believe so. Because the devil is, he, man, let me tell you something. He is slick. He's, he's got a plan to destroy God's work, amen? How many are glad to be a part of God's work today? How many are glad to be a part of what God is doing in this city? Glory to God. You know, I was watching uh, North Texas play football, and I was watching, I record my games, and I was watching it late last night. I got to thinking, I said, every single one of those, and I'm sure there's some players on that team that are saved, uh, but I, I was thinking, watching a football game, I'm supposed to be enjoying it, eating popcorn and chips and, and, and dips and all kinds of good stuff, right? But in the midst of watching that game, I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm, 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 I'm vexed over the spirits and the souls that, are that I'm watching. I'm saying, Lord, these men have to be hurting these men are going through things. I'm not talking about a physical pain from being hit and knocked around on that football field, but I was talking about a spiritual weakness, a spiritual pain that's going on in these people's lives. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I am laying in this bed watching this game, and these men, are they saved? God, who has gone to these people? Who has knocked on their door and asked them at the campus if they've got Jesus Christ in their life? And I began to get Convicted, and I, and I, you know, like I said, I'm supposed to be enjoying this ball game. I'm supposed to be watching this game uh, and watching the ball fly through the air and men get beat up and hit and knocked down and all these good things that happen with football, but I'm vexed in my spirit over what's happening in people's lives because people are making decisions that are not lined up with God's will. And I'm not saying all those players are sinners. I don't know any of them. I don't know what's going on in their life. They could all be saved for as much as I know. But I do know that God is fighting. And, and, and it's not about this little devil that's over here. Listen, ain't no devil sitting on my shoulder. I'm going to tell you that right now. I got too much shake in his body. Hallelujah. That devil's going to be gone. Huh? I'm going to tell him something. Amen. I'm going to spit him off of my shoulder, and I'm going to tell him that he has no power over me, uh, that he's not welcome to sit on my shoulder. Glory to God, uh, that I'm a child of the living God. Amen. And I'm not going to justify any sin in my life either. You'll hear me. You hear me pray. You ever hear me pray? I say, God, forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me of all unrighteousness, Lord. I want to be pure in your eyes, oh God. Cleanse my mind. Set me free, God, from every tormenting thought and spirit that would come against me. We need help in our lives today. 
Amen? You see, the truth that's illustrated in this Bible story is it's a worried widow with a big bill. This is a woman that had nothing but had something that God could use. Isn't that amazing? In our lives, we think there's nothing about me that God could use to do his work. But there is something. It might not be in your possession, but it might be in your house. And as we read that scripture this morning, listen, this is a, a story of a, a poor widow that asked this prophet Elisha for help. She asked him for help. I want to ask you a question this morning. When is the last time that you went to the man of God and asked for counsel? Now, now listen, we don't want to be hearing all the, the, the horror stories that are going on in your life, but, but you know what? It is one thing to come to your pastor and say, listen, I'm about to make this decision. What do you think about it? Or at least, uh, pastor, can you pray for me or can you be praying with me about this because I'm about to make this decision? Can I get a bigger amen? You know, many times, I mean, we hear it all the time. Oh, pastor, you won't believe this, but, oh, we bought a house, but we really can't afford it. Pastor, we, you know, we went out and bought a, a brand new vehicle. and My husband loved it so much, he bought himself one too. Well, can you afford it? No, well. We haven't thought about that part yet. You know, wisdom comes by asking. When you ask somebody, when you go to counsel, when you go to the man of God and say, hey, listen, what, 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 can you pray for me? Not, not tell me what to do because we're not going to boss you. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to encourage you, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to strengthen you. Amen? So Elijah's response, he responded to this woman with two simple questions. The very first question in the scripture that we read was, it said, what shall I do for you? Can you imagine? What can I do for you? Hi, how are you today? How can I help you? Isn't it wonderful when you go into a restaurant and they walk up to you and they're like, how are you doing this evening? What can we get for you to drink? Instead of coming up and asking me, hey, can I get you a Budweiser or, or this or that? You know, just ask me, hey, how can I get you? Can I get you something to drink? Doesn't that feel good when they come and ask you, well, that's what this man, he said, what shall I do for you? He says, what do you have in your house? And she said in verse 2, she said, nothing but a jar of oil. In other words, I have nothing. That word nothing means nothing. It's like saying never. You never tell me you care. Well, never's a big word. I've never told you I care. Yes, I did. I, uh, I have this thing. It's only a jar of oil. And he told her, go and borrow vessels. Go and borrow these, these jars, uh, he said to her. Sell the oil, pay the debt, and you and your sons live forever and rest. Praise God, amen. Live on the rest of it. Just do what you do. Enjoy it. Uh, so God provided a miracle for this woman. Right, uh, It was right there in her own house, and she didn't even know it. So we're going through our trials, we're going through our tribulations until we realize that the man of God or God himself spoke through somebody that says everything you need, everything that you're seeking in your life right now, you have the answer to it in your home. Can you imagine that? You mean, God, I already have the answer to what you're trying to do in my life? God, you mean you're going to use me, Lord, 
to save my, those family members of mine that are so lost. Uh, there's no hope for them. The world sees that. There's no hope for these people. No church even wants them because there's no hope for them. But God, you're saying that there's something in me that you can use to be a blessing somewhere. There's ten principles in the making of a, of a miracle. I'm going to go over just a couple of them this morning for the sake of time, but next Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, I'm going to, Lord willing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish the rest of these principles. But today, I'm going to touch on a couple of them, okay? So number one, know where to go when you don't know what to do. Know where to go when you don't know what to do. Amen? I know it sounds complicated. So it's an impossible situation. This story that we read in the Old Testament, it's a story that is it's tough. Uh, it's very desperate. Uh, it's a single parent uh, with a family. She's going through a trial. Just like think of somebody in your own family that's really going through a hard time. You say, oh, I'm not helping them. They don't help themselves. How can I help them? Well, that's wisdom. But you still carry the burden for these people because they're making choices that are not right for them. They're making choices that are going to affect their children and their children's children for the rest of their life. And that burden we carry upon ourselves. Amen? So it's very important for us to understand this. She knew where to turn. Only God. Okay? So she knew only God could make a miracle happen in her life. Thank God for the prophet, amen? Thank God for the man of God that came in. She went to God's prophet with her request. She goes in there and, and, and uh, where people place an expectation. Now listen to this. This is important. Where people place an expectation determines the miracle. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. I know there's a lot of distraction going on, but hello, we're up here. Amen? Praise God. See, if we insist on looking to men for supply, then guess what? We're going to be disappointed because you're not going to get the right answer all the time from man. That's why I tell you, don't come and ask me how to do it, but come and ask me how to pray for you. Come and ask me, Lord, uh, Pastor, I'm doing this, uh, and I need the Lord to do a miracle. Could you please be in prayer with me? Because God is going to reveal his truth through prayer. It's not that the pastor or the leader or, or the counselor has all the, the, the most wonderful news and can help you through any trial or situation. That's never the case. Most of the time, we don't even understand what the counselor is telling us or the preacher is preaching. Until it comes up in a moment where you say, I remember something that was said. Where did I remember that from? Oh, that was that, that crazy pastor. Yeah, that was that one, Pastor Mario. He was up there saying something, and it was in the message that was preached. And all of a sudden, you get it. All of a sudden, it clicked because you're not looking for man's answer, but you're looking for God's uh, provision upon your life. You're looking for God's uh, natural, the anointing of God to come into your life and to speak through, him, through you or through a man of God to you or woman of God. Amen. See, if we insist on looking through the eyes of the world, we're going to be disappointed. And that's a fact. The major battles in life are spiritual. And must be spiritual resources to turn things around. We can't just read a book and expect it to turn our situation around. It's got to be a very spiritual resource to turn these things around. In other words, God is the only way that things are going to happen. Amen? 
Second Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 9. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why would he do that? It's to show himself strong on behalf of those uh, whose heart is loyal to him. You just missed a place to whistle. You missed a place to say amen really strong. I mean, this is pretty serious here. It says, run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And then it says, in this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. See, this is a very simple scripture that if we would just understand it for just a moment, you know, if we live right for God, if we are standing, listen, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect people. We're not perfect. Jesus was the only one who has been perfect or ever will be perfect, as perfect as you think you are. Amen? But God's not looking for that perfect one. He's looking for the one that, that, would, that, that would love him and that would serve him and walk with him and do everything according to what God's word is and his will for our lives. I don't want to be the other person where we're going to have wars, everything that goes on in our life. Uh, you know, you might ask yourself, man, it seems like every day there's a war going on in my life. It seems like I'm crashing into bumpers all the time and things are happening in my life. But, you know, we ought to reconsider what God's doing in us. Amen? So this story here that we're reading, uh, it's a story. It's written to King Asa, 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 however you say it, when threatened uh, by hostile forces. And here he is, uh, he put his trust in Syria rather than putting his trust in God. How many know when you put your trust in the things of this world, in the government, uh, in your job, uh, in whatever case it might be, you know, things don't always turn out the way they're supposed to. The prophet reprimanded this man, Asa, for his unbelief. You say, well, that might be my problem. Is I got a lot of unbelief, and maybe God's reprimanding me. But you know, it doesn't always have to be that way. See, God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. He wants to show himself strong on my behalf as well. Glory to God. Thank him for not leaving me out. Glory to God. Amen. We must go to God. We must go to him asking. We must go to God praying and believing that we're going to receive whatever it is we're asking him. That doesn't mean you just go put your hand on a car and say, oh, Lord, I want this car. Give it to me. 99.9%, well, 99.9999999%, he's not going to give it to you. Because he knows if he gave it to you, you couldn't handle it. Amen? It would change your mind. And maybe you'd be out of town instead of being in church. Or maybe you'd be down to ball game instead of being in church. Can I get a bigger amen? There's people here today. They're going to the ball game. But guess what? They're in church right now. Amen? That, that's pretty tough because when I was young, I was a little devil. I'm just going to be real. My wife, she said, why aren't you getting up for church? I said, well, babe, I don't feel good. That's why every time I see a text come through, someone says, I'm not feeling good. I, I don't feel good. I, I want to call you and text you and say, why? You got to get up. Come on. I've been there. I've done this. I know what it's like. And there are cases where you're really sick. But the devil's going to creep in and try to destroy us. Can I get an Amen. 
The devil's going to try to do anything he can. We must go to God. We must ask him. We must pray to God. We must believe all that God is going to do, and we're going to receive the miracle that we're seeking from him. Glory to God. Paul told the Philippians to worry about nothing. And what did he say? Pray about everything. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be awesome? If we didn't ever have to worry about how we're going to pay our rent. If we didn't ever have to worry, oh, Lord, I, I, Lord, I got this need. God, I got this. I got that. Lord, we go to God praying. We think we're praying, but we're complaining. Amen? We're complaining. Imagine if the prophet would have said to this woman, I want, you got oil in your house? Well, I'll tell you what. We're about to do this miracle. And, you know, if he had laid it all out before her, before she went out and did what she was supposed to do, guess what? She would have doubted him. She would have said, oh, no, that ain't going to work. No, no, I don't care how many vessels you bring. The oil I have in my house isn't enough to fill not even a vessel. He, and back to the scripture we read, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, Mr. or Mrs. Lack of Faith, how are you doing today? You don't believe what God is about to do in your life. You don't believe that all of those promises that God has given you, he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll never, I'll go before you and I'll help you. Woo, glory to God. He said, I'll be a helpmate. Man, I tell you what, it, it stirs me up when I see these single mothers raising these children and they say, uh, the Lord is my husband. Oh, hallelujah. And they're bringing those kids to church, uh, and those kids are coming, and they're learning about the things of God. I'll tell you what, when we reject uh, what God is trying to do in our life, uh, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And it's sad that we have to be careful how we say things because people will twist the story, and, and, and things will get all twisted out of place like this woman could have done in our opening scripture. She could have very easily said, it's not going to be sufficient. It's not enough. How can this save my boys? <laughs> you don't understand, sir, but my boys are getting ready to be slaves to somebody. Imagine the pain. Imagine the hurt. But that's exactly how the story went. And you and I, instead of, uh, you know, trying to fix the problem ourselves, uh, instead of, you know, just doing what we want to do, we got to be obedient to the voice of God. When the voice of God says, don't go left, but go right. You shouldn't do this, but this is what I want you to do. Listen, we, we are all fooling ourselves if we think that we do not hear the voice of God. God is talking to us. The problem is, is we're not listening to what God's trying to say. Because God has a lot of good things to say. He has a lot to say. And he reveals most of what he says right here in his word to us. He says, if you'll open up this Bible and begin to read it, uh, it'll begin to read you, and your spirit uh, will begin to, to, to cleanse itself. Hallelujah. It's not man that's cleansing you. It's not just because you decided to read, but it's the Word of God that penetrates our heart. It's His Word that begins to make itself alive in us. And that's when God begins to do His miracle that we need Him to do. Number two, look to God as your source. Amen? Elisha gave this woman a very surprising answer. He said, what shall I do? Remember I said earlier, he could have been a little perturbed about it. What, what is it that you want me to do for you? What are you asking me? What are you doing? Here you have the miracle. Here you have uh, the source already, the miracle source in your home already. What are you asking me to do for you? Isn't that amazing how God's saying that to you and I today? 
He says, you're the gift. You are who I made very specifically. He said, the potter's hand, my hand is the potter, and you're the clay, and I'm molding you and shaping you and putting you in the place where I need you to be exactly what I need you to do and be. And here you are, you're questioning who God is. We question him. It happens to all of us. I said, seems that he was frustrated. He says, what do you want me to do about it? He was simply letting her put faith in him. He made her focus on the Lord. He made her put her focus on the things of God. You see, Christianity is very celebrity oriented, or, or, or uh, how do you say it, oriented. Amen? They look to the big church. They look to this. They look to that. Listen, I got news for you. Most of the big churches are still closed down because of COVID. I I don't know if you've noticed now, but uh, all of a sudden, this thing called the flu came back all of a sudden after three years. You notice that? Now the flu's out again. You know, I had it just a couple weeks ago, and it was not nothing pretty. I'm telling you that. But it was called the FLU flu. Amen? Amen? And I'm going to tell you something, the world will put fear in our hearts if we take our mind off of the things of God. We take our mind off of what God's promises are. Listen, he said, I'll, nothing, no poison will harm you in his word. What does that mean to you? No, it does not mean to go drink a bottle of poison. It means that he's going to protect you and watch over you, and he's going to help you, and God's going to provide, and God's going to show his way in your life, and he's going to help you overcome in all areas of your life. Hallelujah. You see, we want to put our trust in prominent people. If I could just go to so-and-so. Oh, if I could just go to a Benny Hinn revival. Oh, if I could just go to an A.A. Allen. Why did he have to die? If I could just go to him and he could punch me in my stomach, I could be healed. You know, that's the way we think. If I could just go to this big revival. But see, as believers, we should seek to touch the hem of Jesus' garments and nobody else. Hallelujah. Just like that woman that came in, she was not welcomed in that place. But she found her way to touch the hem of his garment because she was desperate for a miracle in her life. Hallelujah. You see, that's what we need in our lives today. Not to live a perfect life, not to be seen as everything is in order and everything is good in our lives, but to know that we are seeking after the things of God, that we will find our way to touch the hem of his garment. It doesn't necessarily just mean for healing. It could mean the clarity of mind. You ever walked around and just seen how people are tormented in their mind? There's a reason for that. It's because they've turned away from the things of God. I told that woman, I I told you I sat down with, I didn't sit with them at lunch. I was sitting at one table. They were sitting at their own table. And I was sitting there, and we began talking about the things of God. I said, you are welcome to come to our church. She said, I'm gay. I said, you're welcome to come to our church. You can come in there. She said, can I bring my other other half? I said, you can, but there's not going to be any crazy stuff going on. Amen? No holding hands. He ain't going to be kissing in the church. It's not, you know, it's Adam and Eve. It wasn't Adam and Steve. Amen? And I'm not making fun. I'm just telling the truth. And, and if you don't speak the truth, then they're not going to understand it. Because someone has already brainwashed them to, to think the way they're already thinking. 
They've already gone to one of these undereducated cemetery schools that are out here or one of these uh, big, big universities that does nothing but brainwash these kids. I'll take a bigger amen than that one. Hallelujah. And I believe that you can go to college and you can be successful and you can get smart and you can get educated. I believe in all of that. But I will tell you this, you better be prayed up. You better be in tune with what God is doing in your life and in your children's life. And when they say, oh, my bedroom door's got to be closed because I need my privacy, huh? that's when the hinges come off the wall. Amen? You can ask my kid. Carson just changed his room. Carson's 18 years old. I told him the other day he changed his room. Now he's upstairs in the game room. That's his bedroom now. And I said, don't you, don't you fail me, son. You do right. You do right. That's all I have to say. I don't have to get into details about it. I don't have to uh, just start, you know, what you see on your phone and what you're watching, what games you're playing. I didn't have to do any of that. But you better know what's going on in your home. You better know what's going on in your life. Who are you relying upon? Are you relying on the doctors? Are you relying on the lawyers? Are you relying on the nurses? Are you relying on these counselors? Or do you rely on the name of Jesus? Do you look to him for your source? Do you say, God, this is what I'm battling today. This is what I'm going through today. Yes, we love to ask God for things. We love to go to the Lord and say, God, I need a new car, Lord. I need a new house. Oh, God, I'd like some new clothes, Lord. It's Christmas time. I'd like to be able to buy some Christmas presents for some people, Lord. Those are all wonderful prayers. But I spend my time praying for people. I spend my time praying Matter of fact, if you ever hear me pray, I thank God a lot for who he is. I say, I thank you for your goodness. I say, Lord, I thank you for your mercy, God. Why do I pray that way? Because I know that God had mercy on me. I understand it. I can feel it. I, I've made so many mistakes in my life, and I've never gone to God and said, Lord, I'm a loser, and I did this, and I failed you. No, I always said, God, thank you for being so forgiving. Thank you for caring for me, Lord, even though I let you down. Lord, do a work in me. Change me. Deliver me. Set me free. God, use what you can use in all that I have. It's not much. But what you did give me, I can give to others. You see, salvation is free. Our walk with God is so important. Listen, God gave this to us. He gave us a free will too. He says you can take it or you can leave it. His own people rejected him. Even in today's world today, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I mentioned the ball game yesterday. I was watching, and every time they showed a, a fan from North Texas, which means Denton, Texas, it wasn't too good of a picture. And I said to myself, I said, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's going to hell in a handbasket. And here we are, the Christians, here we are, the ones that already have what God can use to do the miracle that he wants to do in our lives, in other people's lives. And here we are sitting back waiting for someone else to do it. Waiting for someone else to go. You know, pastor could... Surely be here today. This is, this is his church, and it's our church, all of our church, but he's the pastor here, and you know what? He would love to be here today, but guess what? He sacrificed. It doesn't sound right to us, but he sacrificed to go to Ireland. 
You say, well, I sure would love to go to Ireland. Yeah, till they sat you down and made you eat blood pudding. Then you'd be thinking twice. I love blood pudding, by the way. But he sacrificed to go somewhere else to preach the gospel, to share the convictions, the love, the mercies of God with somebody else. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, God wants to use each and every one of us in this place this morning. If you bow your head and close your eyes with me, please, this morning for just a few moments. I promise not to take too much longer. You know, as believers, you and I should really, really, really seek to, he- to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. It ought to be important to us, no one else's, not come to the altar and spill our guts to somebody, but to get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment. And to say, Lord, you know those men that lowered that paralytic man, that the paralyzed man through the roof of that building. You know, there was a desperation. There was something powerful. You know, if, if, if someone told you, it's like the farmer, you know, he told his kids, he said, I, I, I buried your inheritance out in the field. And the kids, these two boys, like, Dad, we've been poor all our lives. How come you haven't told us that we have an inheritance? He said, yeah, it's out there. you gotta go, You got to go till up the ground. You got to dig it up, get them tractors working. And boys went out there, and he dug up that land. Man, they were digging it up and tilling it, ran those tractors and, and tills through there, and they, they cleaned that place up, and they got to the end, and they're like, man, can't believe that Dad didn't tell us where he buried it. They started all over again. Time went by. They started all over again. After a year, after two years, those crops began to grow. Those crops began to come up. And they would sell the crop and they'd redo it and looking for that same treasure over and over and over, year after year, and didn't realize there's not a pile of money buried in the ground, but the ground itself was their inheritance. And it was doing absolutely nothing in the hands of man until you understand the plan of God. The plan of God is for that crop to grow. Oh, I'll tell you what, he's, he's powerful. He's mighty. God is so good. If we would just listen, if we would just, just obey and be obedient to the things of God. Before I go any farther this morning, you're here today. You say, I'm not uh, saved. You're watching online this morning. You're here. You say, I'm not saved. I'm, I'm away from the Lord. I want to be saved. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand up all over this place. Just put it up, left to right, front to back. Put your hand up. I want to pray for you this morning if that's you. Please don't let this tugging in your spirit, don't let it go. Answer the call of God this morning. How many all over this place? Praise God. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Before we go offline, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. And I didn't see any hands up this morning, but maybe you're sitting in your seat today and you say, I'm, I didn't raise my hand, but there are some things in my life that I want to get right with God. And you know what? I want to be honest with you. That's a lot of us in this place. We all have something that we can get right with God in our life. Every one of us. Maybe it's the way you talk about people. Maybe it's you're not much of a giver. You don't have a giving heart. 
Maybe it's being negative. Maybe it's, you know, all of these things do not line up with what God's purpose is for our life. And those are things we got to fix and get right. But maybe you're home today. You're sitting. Maybe you're at work and you're listening to this message and you want to give your life to the Lord. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and to be my personal Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I ask you to change me, to deliver me, to set me free from every bondage of sin. Break the strongholds in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned against you. Change my life. And from this moment forward, I will serve you with all of my heart. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for delivering me. I will love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.